Hey, this is Sean, and welcome to If You've Come This Far, uh, a podcast where my friend Chris and I have authentic, uh, hopefully deep, entertaining conversations with uh, folks who are living life, and we're really curious about how they're living it and what they have to say, so we ask them to come have conversations with us and we're pretty lucky at the people that come and talk with us. Right. And we and, are. And this, in this episode, um, Jason, Dr. Jason Frischman, um, who's the founder and operator of the journey of men, um, the journey, really, the journeyman. Yeah. Journeyman, the journey, journeyman, not to be confused with the whiskey distillery called by the same name up in Michigan. Of course, you know that there's a whiskey distillery by the name of, <laughs> by, the name, by the name of that. Uh, Jason's a great, a great cat. Uh, what maybe tell our our listeners a little bit more about him and our conversation? Yeah, I feel like I've been connected with Jason for a while on LinkedIn. Um, he has he has paid attention to the work of men living. Um, his journeyman program is is uh, has some some commonalities with that. I mean, it's largely a program as he talks about in our conversation for fathers, um, mm-hmm. probably primarily. Um, but we, you know, there's, we have a lot of common interest. He's way North up near Burlington, Vermont. Um, mm-hmm. But we, we, we had fun sort of connecting some dots around summer camps. Um, we talked about sort of the, the formative experience of summer camps, especially for boys. Um, he's also a therapist. So we talked about, his therapy practice and sort of the market for therapy these days and, uh, you know, men versus women in terms of therapy and seeking therapy. Um, so we were, um, we, we covered a lot of ground um, and he was delightful. I mean, he, yeah. and he's, he's super smart and he's, he's yeah. very eloquent too. Like I Big wish time. I were as eloquent as Jason. Oh, you definitely are. I mean, I, I'm the I'm the odd man out on eloquence. <laughs> eloquence. Is that even a word between you two? <laughs> So, so, uh, no, and he's a heart centered guy who's just trying to make the world a better place, but he's also got a specialty in adventure therapy, which I had never heard of before. Um, which sounds like you scare the shit out of people by taking them in the woods kind of thing. But I I think he's a little bit lower key than that. He, well, he's low key is probably a good way to describe him. And yet I think when we asked him about, you know, would he, if he had to choose, would he choose being a therapist over running journeyman? And he's so committed and he's so heart centered and mission driven. Um, he's like, I'm doing two jobs right now. And I sounds like he'd have a hard time letting go of either one of them because I yeah. think he, he, uh, he, view, he, he sees a real importance in, in, in both lines of work. He's actually uh, sweet. He's kind of, he's a sweet guy. He is right? sweet. Is he, right? Isn't that a good word to describe him? It's a great word. And now yeah. and, and now you've got me thinking about sort of the sweetness level of all of our hosts in the past and how we might score them. You mean um, our guests? Our guests, what did we're I We're actually hosts? we're yeah, well, we're, you can we, we are we gonna are we gonna sweet. rate each other on your sweet <laughs> on sweetness? <laughs> um but but you know you started out by saying how lucky we've been. I feel like many of our guests have been sweet. Yes. Lovely is the word I throw around a lot. Oh yeah. Um, but the but Jason Frischman um, certainly fits both bills. No doubt. Let's right, uh, let's, get into let's, it. let's let's do it. Good morning. Hey, hey Jason. Jason. What's up? 
Good. Not much. Uh, it's a little chilly here today, but otherwise really good. <laughs> well, um, so I didn't look up where you are in Vermont. And we, we, Sean and I were just both saying we knew you were in Vermont. Where, whereabouts are you? Uh, I mean, you know, I'm about 20 miles south of Burlington. So in Richmond, I don't know if you know that area, but it's uh, my office. Well, before the pandemic was based out of Burlington, uh, but now I'm, you know, I'm here in the in, in the country full time. <laughs> I, I mean, I know the state pretty well. I was when I was in the Navy, I was down in Connecticut and we used to go up to I think we always went up to Mount Snow. We were around like Wilmington and my brother lives in Bennington now, but that's super far south, right? That's southwest. Corner. Yeah, that's all southern Vermont, which is, uh, ben you know, there's Bennington on one side and Brattleboro on the other. And that's the line of the sort of southern Vermont. Um I think we'd be considered northeastern Vermont, uh, right, right off eighty nine, and uh, it's a you know you know Norman Rockwell. I, I feel like you know the town that I'm in is 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 Rockwellian at at its finest. You know, um, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's a, there's yeah. a few places in Vermont that re, that remind me uh, uh, of sort of a Rockwellian uh, you know setting. Are you so? Are you native to there? No, although I'd like to say that, uh, you know, in Vermont, they, you can't be a Vermonter unless you're the seventh generation Vermonter. That's the, otherwise, you're a flatlander. Um, I grew up outside of New York City, and um, I came to camp here when I was a kid. And when I was 12, like, went home to my parents and said, I'm going to live in Vermont when I'm, when I'm older. You know, I, I moved here without a job. I moved here, you know, like, it, it was sort of... You know, everywhere I've ever been, it was I come back here to recharge, and and you know I've got many of my own sacred spaces are are in the woods around here, and and so I like to joke that the house I'm in now is exactly the thing I envisioned when I was twelve, which is wow, is, you know, it's a, it's a real privilege. It's really wonderful. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, do, uh, do you? So I I have a bluegrass band. It's named after the town in which up in in sort of northern Wisconsin, where three of my bandmates went to camp as kids so it okay that is to say that camp for them was really really meaningful um was it the camp for you that was meaningful or was it just the the place it was both i mean i think it was camp at first because that's what as a kid that's where i spent my time but um yeah the place was always i mean i i spent a year li living and working in new hampshire and you know, I used to say that as soon as you came over the border, the trees got greener, you know, like I really there, there is something about the place that has always been um, really magical for me. But yeah, the camp was definitely I mean, some of my closest friends today, you know, 40 years later are, are people I went to camp with and, and still spend time with and, you know, have pretty solid sort of rituals and yearly routines with. And um, so it was yeah, that that was always a, bit, a lot of actually the work I do is really informed by camp you know mm. by the the idea of of many of my experiences there and all that so yeah it was definitely um definitely helped being in camp because it was just a wonderful place and i fit in and i loved it and i was never a new york person <laughs> yeah 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 well, you know. I mean, my, yeah, my, and my question about camp um, may have seemed flippant, but but it's not because mm -hmm. I, I do think that that for young people, that connection sort of off the grid is really formative. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and the camp I went to, um, unfortunately, was sort of slowly on its way out. It closed in 1995. But because of that, the benefit was it was really small. I mean, at one point, the boys camp 
one summer that I went to the boys camp had 47 kids. Mm. Right. Wow. And you spent, and it, it was an eight week camp, right? So you spend eight weeks living with 47 kids, their family. Yeah. yeah right. Right. And, yeah. and, and the same ones back. would come back year. Yeah. Year after year. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I started at 11 and many of the cabin mates that I was with had already been there for four years. Like mm. I, it took me half a summer to be to like, to get in it, because yeah. I, you know, and, uh, you know, my joke is my my closest friend, like my brother right now, is from camp. And our joke has been over the course of our whatever 35 year friendship, I've never been meaner to anyone other than him when we were kids. And he's never been meaner to me because like that's sort of, you know, what happened. And, you know, it always wound up, you know, sitting on a rock overlooking a waterfall trying to talk it out, you know. Wow. Did you ever work yeah. it? Did you ever as a count? You know, often kids go to camp and then they work it as a counselor. Did you do that too? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I worked, um, let's see, I worked for a couple of years and actually, and you know, it's sort of, it's it's a little bit, it's a little bit painful. I wound up my last summer, I was fired, um, which, you know, I will take full responsibility for, but I was fired because one of my, the people on my staff did, did, did it made a questionable decision and mm -hmm. because they were under me. And I didn't model well, you know, I was a kid and I was the assistant director of the camp and oh, was yeah. like, you yeah. know, um, you know, a, a little bit of an impulsive and know-it-all young kid. And so I, I got what I kind of deserved, although it's painful. Um, but yeah, it was, it was very much a big part of who I am. Right after that, I started working at a summer residential treatment center where I worked for 10 summers, you know, like it, that kind of home-based communal living is always something that it, it really has been a major impact on kind of who I am and what I do and and how I do it and all of those things. Well, yeah. it's, it's, uh, so Sean, um, you know, tomorrow night we're, we're interviewing Jason, you don't know this, but tomorrow night we're, we're going to interview <laughs> a good friend of mine who plays guitar in the band that I play in, who was one of the guys that went to camp, uh, now I'm going to, Camp North Star up in Hayward, Wisconsin, which is what my band is called. Um, he's also, oh, wait, 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 I have to interrupt. You mean the Camp North, North Star being directed by Andy Schlensky? Yes. Uh... Wait, how's that work out? Small world. Are you shitting me? Um, I, you're not just that, so you're not bizarre. As, as I'll make it sound, but oh, all right. a good, a dear friend of mine who actually um, participated in the beta group of my, my program connected me with Andy because his son goes there now. And I, and um, we've talked, you know, on and on. I mean, every, I unfortunately have terrible timing. So I try to reconnect with him right when he's gearing up for camp. And then we say yeah, fall right. and, you know, but he's a really sweet guy. And I've heard amazing things about that camp. Wow. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah. And John is still very much involved with the band has gone up there to play for it's, it's, it's pretty special, but it's funny too, because oh, yeah. John, John and you, uh, look a little bit alike as you'll see tomorrow, Sean, you've never met, mm -hmm. uh, never met John, but, um, but, but let's, I want to get in here because, because, uh, I feel like a little bit of what you do with journeymen is, is, uh, is, is campish. Um, but, but, um, much so. you probably noticed, Jason, I already hit the record button. If I don't, I'll forget. And then we'll have to get back together, which you don't want. Um, but but I know that you've been... Uh, you've been what do you mean he's not going to want to do that? Well, actually, I already want to get back together and talk to you. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Here we go. And this small world that we live in, right? Right. Um, all the other connections. But um, 
you know, speaking of John and, and being a therapist, I know you've been a therapist for, for what, 15 years now. Um, and it was well, three or four years. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, all I have is LinkedIn to go off of, right? That's the only way I have to oh, stalk no. you. So <laughs> I'll send you all my links, but yeah, no, I, I got my master's in 1998. Okay. So yeah, you've been yeah, at it for I, a while. Oh, yeah. Well, and and Journeyman. So you you started this organization called Journeyman. What four years ago? Yeah, officially. I mean, we we I incorporated uh, in 2019. So yeah, about that. But I didn't well, really start until about two or three years ago. Yeah, maybe just start by telling us what the heck Journeyman is. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's funny because that's a, a purposefully broad and you know, generalized question. So the quick answer is, you know, really journeyman is the the growth of the work I've been doing with men in my therapy office for 25 years. Um, I, I sort of, I date myself, but I say I have a boys to men practice, right? Mm. If, if you know that reference. And so um, I started out working prim primarily with boys. And I used to say, you know, I very naively, I used to say, you know, I'm always going to work with kids. Um, if you're an adult and an asshole, it's too late. You know? <laughs> wait, um, wait, does it mean if you're an adult, you are an asshole? <laughs> no, no. If you're adult and you happen to be an asshole, then it's too late for you. Um, and I am, you know, wow. I, I, I am, I am admittedly, I was very naive and wrong. And the more I worked with kids, the more I had to work with adults. And ultimately, I had my own kids. I have two sons, a 14 and 11 year old. And when that happened, I really wanted to preserve my kid energy because we have a nice community here. We're all having kids together. And so I started working with older clients, you know, college students, then younger men, then, you know, and it, it, it slowly evolved to really spending, a spe having a specialty in fathers. And, you know, at that point became really even more passionate around sort of men's issues and sort of how that works. But journeyman really was developed because I had this recognition that no matter how powerful of a session I had with a client, the moment he walked out of my office and entered into the community, 20, 30, whatever percent of our progress was gone because they were stepping into a social structure that didn't support it. And mm -hmm. That, and I've always been a little bit rogue in the psychology world. And so I just, I don't fit in the managed care system. I don't, you know, it just, uh, I mean, listen, my first degree was in adventure therapy and my second degree focused on narrative therapy. So neither of them are things where I'm doing assessments and, you know, particularly fond of writing up notes and talking to insurance companies, right? <laughs> and so really the, the big thing was journeyman was the outgrowth of a model that I developed after working with men for so long, uh, based on, you know, some of my passions and noticing, you know, I can get into this at some point, but really noticing that many of the narratives and stories for men that frankly, in, in some ways I really love the hero's journey for one. Um, I love, but I really had started to question and I really started to um, look at what's out there. I started researching all the different, you know, men's movement work and coaching and realized that the framework that I, I have been playing with and, and using with my clients in the therapy office, it was different. And, and I really, so journeyman became an invitation for men to come and, and really 
try this different way of creating a narrative for fatherhood, for masculinity. And um, so it has, <laughs> in the short version of the answer is it's, it's a coaching program for fathers where we work on creating and building and living new narratives for men and connecting in partnership more deeply with our kids, our partners, and our sort of work-life, community life. So what, so what was the disconnect between the framework you were using and the framework that you've developed um, mm. kind of consistent with journeyman? Where, yeah, what was the disconnect there? Well, I mean, on the first level is the, it was the, um, the structural piece, right? The, the boundaries that are required in managed cares, mental health, insurance-based stuff. Um, you know, I saw more and more men needed community. We needed connections. And I had clients who, you know, truly all day, one client after another. And part of me was like, oh, dude, won't you guys meet in the waiting room? Because if that happened, you wouldn't need me as much, right? Like, and I'm not right. literally not allowed to do that, right? So I did run, I, you know, I've been trained in group therapy and I ran and facilitated groups for years. And, you know, that was always a real highlight for the men's groups that I worked with. But, you know, more conceptually, um, a lot of it came with the, with, in, and the, a lot of it is described best with the hero's journey. You know, for a long time, I used the hashtag Joseph Campbell was wrong. And, um, and I love just, I mean, my, you know, in addition to adventure and narrative, my, my third sort of passion was archetypal Jungian, you know, story-based stuff. Um, but, and, I, and I'm a Star Wars dork. I'm a Lord of the Rings geek. Like I love the hero's journey piece. But one of the foundational pieces of narrative therapy is to question taken for granted stories. It's the question that like dominant narrative, even if it's one you like, right? So I wrote my dissertation from with the voice and the metaphor of the hero's journey. I developed the first 10 years of my life, of my career, um, really therapeutic questions based on the hero's journey. Every, uh, every workshop, every speech, every sort of client that I ever worked with, I'd start by saying, what's your favorite adventure story, fictional or, or nonfiction, real life or not? And it was always some version of the hero's journey, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for the first part of my career, I was like, oh, cool, good, I'm right. <laughs> uh -huh. And then again, when I, around the time when I started having my own kids, I had this, this, this light bulb where it was sort of like, okay, so the hero's off battling the dragon and growing and doing all these things that, are, that psychically are really important. But what about everyone who's at home? You know, what about everyone who's washing dishes and, you know, wiping butts and, you know, cleaning the toilet every day? Aren't, you know, isn't that life, doesn't it have adventure as well? And isn't there magic in there every day? Mm -hmm. And shouldn't there be? And so the, the, the model, the concept that I sort of really started developing, which I will say, like, I didn't create, it's, you know, an amalgamation of all the mm -hmm. books and things and, and, and experience, but it was really what I now call I used to call it adventures other half. I now call them foundational adventures. And it's a narrative that isn't to replace the hero's journey, but it is to say that the hero's journey is only one story of ma of masculinity and development and, and modeling that we can offer. And I, like I said, I used to call the model uh, adventures other half. You know, now I call it foundational adventures. And it's really about how do we elevate the status of the mundane and how do we bring meaning and value to our everyday lives in a way that is 
really in in many ways politically minded and activist minded and it, you know it it allows us to become stronger partners mm. in all the things we do so i don't know if that answers your question or not because no. these are yeah, yeah it's, it's <laughs> yeah. all really interesting so yeah. I, i've not read joseph <clears throat> campbell um uh, i have watched star wars so i'm not you know an idiot. <laughs> then you know um, <laughs> but 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 really like help me i feel like what i'm inferring here is like the, the 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 hypothesis is that the source of many men's pain is the disconnect between the hero's journey that they envision and how their life falls short of that is am i getting that right in many ways yeah absolutely i mean there's a lot to it beyond that and at the same time yeah like you know i used to say you know if we're not epic epic if we're not legendary uh -huh. then what are we right and the other piece is, you know, the, the hero's journey, again, a, a narrative that I love and has been infinitely, you know, malleable in many ways. It also is, has an inherent bias. It has inherent, it speaks inherently to sort of a patriarchal mindset, a dominating mindset. Um, the story, that doesn't mean it can't be changed a bit. It has been, there's a lot of people doing really good work with that, but it's almost like, well, what other stories around masculinity, development, things like that do exist? And how can we learn from them as well? Because, you know, so much of the cultural stories that we work with guide who we are and, and what we, you know, what we think about ourselves and others and things like that. So, you know, I say that our reality is truly based on the stories we tell and that others tell about us. So with the hero's journey, it's a very narrowed focus, right? Like it's just, you know, this is the way that one grows and changes. They go and they battle a dragon, they find a treasure, they they accept help that, you know, there's a whole very well-developed uh, metaphor that is wonderful. But again, anytime there's only one story that's being provided, I get curious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's uh I love, I'm going to, this is probably going to be in my LinkedIn post, this, this, this feeling that you had of, can't you all just hang out and meet in my waiting room? Then mm -hmm. you wouldn't need me as much. Mm -hmm. I think that goes to um, the importance that, that we've sort of like, you know, put our finger on with men connectedness, right. And, and peer support yeah. and all that stuff. Um, so maybe with, you can talk a little bit about how men experience journeyman because it sounds like at least one part of what you offer is a sort of cohort based yes thing yeah and is that <laughs> like so, so, yeah yeah well, yeah well, you know you you give me the words but um but like I, I do remember seeing like three months uh uh cohorts or something like that absolutely so the way you know i've been a therapist for a long time and there and even though i do it I think radically differently, there's a pretty solid path towards being and having a career as a therapist. Doing this coaching world and the business acumen and all that was brand new to me. So I was sort of making it up as I went along. I was led astray in lots of different models. And, and I really, I had one friend who was wonderful and said to me, what do you think would be best? You know, forget everybody else's, how they're doing it, what are they doing? What do you think would be most useful for these guys? And what came of it is, it is a cohort where um, it's a three, I call it three plus months because I tend to, I tend to over deliver and I'm like, all right, come on, let's try another couple of weeks. Let's see what's happening. Uh, but yeah, guys start out together. Um, 
they, I, there's an individual session with me in the beginning and at the end. And actually, currently, I'm doing one in the middle uh, where guys at any point during the course of the program can be like, hey, I, I need some extra and, and we'll do that. But they all they begin together. They start to, uh, you know, they start together, they finish together. And then after that, they are invited into sort of a, a journeyman alumni or graduate space. And that's uh, that's constantly developing right now. It is really um, essentially like an open house. I uh, every Tuesday afternoon, I send a reminder to everyone, I said, hey, you know, one o'clock today, come on in. And I either have, I always have themes and questions and topics in my back pocket, or someone shows up and says, oh man, I got to talk to you guys about something. But once they've gone through the program, the program is journeyman foundations. So once they go through the program, they have the language, they have the concepts, they have all of that. And then it's a little easier for them to join into the bigger group because we all understand, like, we, you know, we're, we're all using the same language, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, but the big piece for me, and this is also another distinguishing thing, you know, in terms of, you know, your question, Sean, was, is that a lot of men's programs use the, the hero's journey metaphor, you know, we're, mm -hmm. we're together, we're, we, we have this common goal, we're going to go off and do this thing, we're going to gain the treasure, and then we're going to come home and go to our homes and be better guys, right? We're mm -hmm. going to get laid and get paid, you know, <laughs> and it's great. It's helped thousands of people. I mean, I've been looking, I've been researching this for years, but it never sat, set with me really well because that wasn't, you know, I, I didn't think, feel like that was going to be the most useful. And that was, um, and it was, and I wanted to, again, to be this elevating the mundane and really this every day, but more importantly, your adventure is at home with your family or at work. It's not with me. And so while you know so, so in journeyman the way i envision it is very similar to um the the stories and books and movies the the element of those stories that were always my favorite were the cantinas the pubs the taverns the inns right even as a kid the swashbuckling swords you know whatever it was cool but I loved that scene where, you know, you'd, you'd get burly warrior dudes who entered the inn and let their shoulders down mm. and, and take a breath. And they would sit at the table and they'd, or, you know, why do people go to places like that? They're hungry and tired. They want to share or hear stories. They want, they need a new mission. They need to repair their, you know, uh, equipment. They need to meet up with friends. They got to get information from the shady guy in the corner, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I envision Journey in to be. So I call the space that we meet the Zoom room is is Journey's Inn. It's the inn. I get to be an innkeeper, right? Mm -hmm. And it's about nourishment. It's about sharing of stories. It's about gathering and getting some skills. They get a new map. They get all those things. But then they leave and go home and, and have an adventure with their family, come back the next week and go, oh my gosh, you got to hear what happened. And they, every single one of them comes in and they choose their own goal. They have their own treasure that they're going for in this particular journey. And what has been really beautiful is, you know, eight to 10 guys in a group, all with different goals. And every time one of the guys starts talking about their treasure, everyone else is going, yeah, yeah. You know, and they're, they're, they're nodding along. And, and so they have this support network of guys that they can meet up with. And they, you know, we have an offline, you know, private chat group that they use and all of those things, but they get to come to the inn and, and really do all of those things. And one of the reasons why I said I over deliver and it's three ish months, and this has happened at least once in every single group is, 
you know, I have this curriculum that we work on, but if a guy comes into the inn and goes, I, I got to tell you, I need to, you know, then the curriculum is gone. And I'll say, Hey guys, let's add another week at the end. And, you know, let's, let, let's get to that. But today we're here for you. And in many ways, that's the, the, the sort of um, statement of journeyman is your work is our work. Your journey is our journey. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I, um, my, my social media post is going to be uh, if you're an adult and you're an asshole, it's too late. Dr. Jason Frischman. Uh, That's what I'm I'm going with. He he Uh, signed the waiver, right? Jason signed the waiver, so. Quote, unquote. Um, (laughs) Free doctorate. You know, one of the things, I want to go back a bit, because one of the things that occurred to me is you were talking about your your thinking process of the the hero's journey and, and, you know, being in adventure and then being at home and just living, you know, living a normal, I'll just call it a normal life. Um, I'm curious about your perspective on working with men and how that, how different that is from working with women. And, Mm. and, and I mean, you talked about the social constructs that we're all in and I totally get that, but um, how would, how is it different in your view? It's it's a great question, and and I'll answer it. I, I one of my big inspirations is a woman named Rianne Eisler, and she gave an answer to a very similar question once before. And she said, "Listen, there is very different. There are very few differences in many ways, but by the very essence of having, you know, certain biology, which is an interesting thing to say these days. You know, she gave this interview a long time, but because of that." there are different experiences you have in the world and that shapes you differently. And so for me, I would say, you know, I, when I first started doing journeyman, I actually out of the blue had a few women who were like, I'd really like to get some, you know, something out of this. And I did individual work with them using the same curriculum and it was wonderful. And I was always one of the people who, you know, early on in my social media posts was sort of like, you know, I like to be edgy. And I was like, so what's a man, you know, what's a father. And every time they'd answer, I'd respond Shouldn't a mom be that too? Shouldn't a woman be that? You know, and so very in in many ways, not much difference. Yeah. But there is a perceived difference. There's a constructed difference there. You know, when, when I identify as a man, I have things that I'm managing. Now, that doesn't mean a woman's not managing the same thing, but because I'm a man, I'm managing it and I get to, you know, talk about it that way. There yeah. are definitely socially constructed differences around you know how men are are acculturated and how men are dealt with are taught to deal with their emotions and how they deal with one another and you know frankly back to the hero's journey thing is this domination kind of ethos Mm -hmm. is very much you know just the fact that we have things that you know if we asked 100 people what are in this list what are masculine traits and what are feminist traits Mm -hmm. I'd say there would be a high correlation between everybody's answers. Yep. And so just because of that, there's something to work with. That doesn't mean there's inherently, you know, that that is, you know, a a capital T truth, but it is something that um, in, in locating this work with men, um, you know, I, I think that we are given an opportunity as men to to grow and then to let go of that. It's like any art, right? You learn your strokes and then you let go of the strokes and you do it differently. If I can work on myself as a man, I can then become a partner. 
Hey, thanks for listening to If You've Come This Far. This episode is brought to you by Judson & Moore, distillers of American whiskey right here in Chicago. You can stop by their tasting room uh, located in their distillery uh, just on the west side of the Chicago River and just south of Belmont. And uh, you can grab a delicious cocktail, a bottle of single malts or bourbon or rye. And uh, on many nights you can enjoy some fantastic music they attract some great acts now back to the episode do you jason do you feel like um and i'm not asking you to provide like scientific evidence of this but but it, it is your sense that women are less beholden to the hero's journey concept than men mm. are what do you mean by beholden like they, they fantasize yeah. less, they struggle less with the disparity between real life and the concept of what you know, of this you know epic, legendary journey that 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 they may think that they should be on in life. It's a great question. Oh wow. Um, yes and no. I, you know, I mean, <laughs> my joke is in my field. Truth is, if I'm going to be completely honest, the answer to every question is. <laughs> But I think women in some ways, and this is a vast generalization, I'll put that into context, are definitely less beholden in some ways, but almost more in others. Because in order to succeed in the way that our culture talks about success, you kind of have to be that way, right? And so I've seen so many, you know, versions of the hero's journey where it's the heroine's journey or you know see we've taken you know the the the, the main character is a is a, is a little girl not a little boy and you know women are being forced and and it's being you know uh, to to like in order to achieve i've got to go on my own hero's journey i've got and and i think there is you know there are definitely very there are significant differences to it um, but I think the fact that the hero's journey is so ubiquitous, it is equally, if not more damaging to women, in, but in very different ways. I wonder if that, I wonder if that sort of summarizes a lot of the work we're all doing, which is, is to redefine success. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we talk yeah, about I mean, this sort of like, you know, in terms of vocation too, right? Like, yeah. Um, you know, it, you could live a really simple life and have a really impactful, successful, wonderful life um, that that wouldn't would, that wouldn't mirror any you know conventional notion of hero's journey. Um, let me ask one more sort of question along the lines of the difference between men and women, um, because there's really only two, <laughs> right? Um, uh, we've talked with a, a number of, uh, of 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 people recently about help seeking behavior. You know, the okay. ability of of people to uh, come to grips with the fact that they might actually need help. Um, have you noticed any sort of meaningful change in, say, the last 25 years um, in in that sense? Like, are, are more men sort of coming to you and, and, and finding journeymen or like what's what's going on there? If anything. I, yes, but not enough. No, I, I would say mm -hmm. in the. In the therapy space, you know, because I live in the both worlds a little bit, in the therapy space, you know, I can say that the vast majority of my career, I've never had to market and I've been full. I still turn away three to five guys a week. Mm. But I think part of that is 
it is, you know, one is, is to your point, it's, it's a little more accepted. It's a little more okay. It's a, you know, all of that, but for therapy, it's because things, things are done, they're broken, (laughs) right? Like guys will come to therapy as a last resort or, and not, and as again, vast generalization, I have lots Mm -hmm. of guys who are kind of like, oh, you know, I'd like things to be better. I'll seek you out. But a lot of men will come because their their wives are forcing them their other partners are forcing them that they, they are about to lose their kids there you know there there is absolutely um it's it is a little more accepted and in therapy people are having a harder time before they come and, and get me in 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 the coaching world um and <laughs> frankly this be this may speak more to my lack of marketing acumen than 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 your question <laughs> but um I find that the coaching world, which is more of a growth and development and wellness space, you know, guys are, you know, once they're involved, they're, they're sort of phenomenally into it. And it is, is, I have never, you know, I find that the guys who go through the three months have made, you know, significant growth and development that still blows my mind. Right. But there's a hesitance to get into it. There's a hesitance to, you know, because things aren't broken for them. These are guys who, you know, in my first beta group, one of the guys said to me, but like, Jay, I'm, I, I'm a good dad. And then he paused and then he said, except for when I'm being the third kid, <laughs> you know? So like, this was a, a friend of mine who, um, who ac- actually is pretty open and has done a lot of this work already. So he got to that very quickly, but a lot of the men will sort of in the, in this growth and and wellness and coaching space, you know, I'm making some money. I've got some kids. I'm, I'm not divorced yet. We have sex every once in a while. So I'm doing okay. Right. (laughs) And, you know, it's that level of questioning what's out there that I think is hard for men. Um, Particularly, and I always go back to it, particularly going back to some of this um, hero's journey metaphor is, you know, I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to go out. Now, the hero's journey involves accepting help from others, but really only after, you know, when they really need it, when they're broken again, you know, yeah. when they when they need to get over a wall and someone's got to come in and move them, you know? Right. Um, and the other piece is, is that, and this is, you know, just a part of where, I'm at for journeyman is I refuse to market like a lot of other coaching programs where it's, you know, again, I mentioned before the, you know, we'll, we'll help you get paid. We'll help you get laid. You know, there's that. I don't ever use the terms warrior, king, magician, lover. Like I don't really, I think those are stories that, you know, we can move beyond. So I'm not looking to bring a bunch of men in and make them kings and get them to be warriors. You know, mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't, you know, those are again, just like the hero's journey. They're useful stories, but they're not the whole story. They're not even all of the masculine archetypes. They they were chosen artificially mm-hmm. back in the eighties, mm-hmm. and and you know because of that, we got a dominant story which has literally oppressed other stories of masculinity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, so that self-seeking behavior is sort of one metric that I think of when I think about sort of the the community of men on this planet, um, you know, um, mm. being willing to work. The, the other interesting metric to me might be, well, I, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, we, at, at Men Living, we do a, an annual retreat. And I've always talked about that as being, this retreat's awesome. I go, I reset, I get perspective, I come back, I'm a better dad, I'm a better husband, I'm a better friend, et cetera. 
and then I revert back to 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 the mean, and then and then you know, fortunately, I get to go back to another retreat, and so there's this cycle. Um, and mm-hmm. so the other metric that I'd be curious to hear about is like men's persistence with the work, right? So whether it's your your patients um, uh, or 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 journeymen, you talked about journeymen having sort of like this post grad community. Um, how long mm-hmm. are men staying involved, or do they lull themselves into this false sense of "oh, I'm better now"? Yes, and I mean, I think some of the guys certainly do that, and um, I don't hear from them again. But I would say a high, a pretty high percentage stay involved. I mean, point in blank, you know, two quick stories. One was. Um, back several months ago when all of the the Roe v. Wade stuff went down, or still continues, but when it start when it came out, um, I so I have four sort of cornerstones of the, the journeyman sort of values and, and vision, and the last one is about social action and responsibility. And mm-hmm. so that being said, I wrote an email to all of the guys who had gone through the journeyman program at that point, and just sort of said you know, hey guys, just reading about this, I'm feeling pretty strongly about it. Um, how about on Tuesday at two o'clock, we, anybody who wants to talk about it, let's get together. And so it was less than two business days later with very little notice in the, in the middle of the work day. And I had about 80% of all my past people show up to have a conversation. Now, mm-hmm. full transparency, that's a small end. I'm still pretty new. So it's not a lot of guys, but the fact that such a percentage of guys who had gone through showed up just to be there and have conversations and to, you know, be vulnerable about it. I think that's, that's a statement. And even some of the guys who had not been coming to the follow-up meetings showed up for this. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, you know, so I think there is a piece and that's where I think the ongoing community is, as it grows, is going to be really supportive to this piece, because again, it's not and I, by the way, I'm I'm all for retreats and hero's journey type stuff. I'm not against that at all. I'm gonna, I would like to do that as well at some point. But there's got to be these little maintenance things that keep us going and that are connected. Um, one of the guys who went through my program about a year ago got in touch with me again. We we keep in touch regularly. But he he said, "Hey, I'd love to meet. Can we schedule something? I want to share with you what's been going on since." And I said, oh, "I'd love that," you know. And what he said in a nutshell was. His treasure, his goal was to become closer with his kids and to remove his sort of reactivity to them. And so what he said to me in a nutshell was, I did that. That was, you know, that with with that there, I now am forced to look at my relationship with my wife. Mm-hmm. And the irritability and the, the conflict with the kids was essentially a subterfuge for not having put energy into my relationship for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so now that I'm getting along with my kids and my wife's getting along with the kids, we're going, who are we and what, who do we want to be? And he looked at me and he was sort of tearful. And he said, thank you. And fuck you. But, you know, I'm really glad to be doing this work. And he said, I really think you need to tell all of your future journeymen, like it's got to come with a surgeon's general warning. Like if you start to go down this work, you're going to start looking mm-hmm. at things. And so um, I do, I do get guys who go through and they're like, that was great. And they're gone. I get guys who are sort of variably involved. One guy in my current group is sort of like, hey, can I go through this group again? Because I now have something else I want to work on. Um, It's a big thing for me is that all stories are circular. 
right? We're taught the stories have a beginning, middle, and an end. And in my mm -hmm. view, they're all the middle. And so in the way I developed the, the, the curriculum is pretty much almost every single time. But by the time we get to a certain point in the journey, guys start to go, oh, I'm doing well, but oh no, now I'm arguing here. Or now I start to see this and, and a new issue comes up. And, and I'm like, all right, well, that's why we call it foundations. You can either do it again with me or you can use the skills. Like you have all of them. You have access to this forever. And so I also don't promise like in any, you know, like, oh, in 30 days, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> in 30 days, it's going to be great. It, or 90 days, excuse me. But it's more, let's pick something that in 90 days you can move forward on because that's really all that we can do. And so I never promise that, you know, you know it's going to be one and done. It's more, you know, I've been a therapist for too long to know that's kind yeah. of not true. Yeah. <laughs> do you, you know, do you, go ahead, Sean. Go, no, go ahead. Are you, well, yeah, just just one quick follow up to that is um, you you talk, Jason, about how you you turn away a handful of guys almost weekly. So there's plenty of demand yeah. that you could be a full time therapist. Um, is your is your vision is your treasure to move away from therapy completely and just work via journeyman or how how do you divide your time and how do you think about that? great question so currently i am a full-time therapist and i'm doing this um so i'm basically two full-time things you know journeyman therapy is thursday is tuesday through friday very long days with pockets in between those days for journeyman and then all day on friday um and then at 10 o'clock at night once my kids and wife go to bed um so yes, the idea, the goal is, I don't believe, I don't at this point have a desire to leave ther doing therapy forever because I have a real commitment to my own community here in, in, in Vermont. But the dream or the goal would be, you know, one, maybe one and a half days of therapeutic work that I can do with, A, with clients that I've worked with forever that I'm not just going to drop. And, you know, I feel very... Um, you know, I don't know if loyal is the right word, but I, but I care about. Um, and so as, you know, I haven't taken a new client since the pandemic started. And as I finish work with clients, I haven't taken out new therapy clients. And so um, I'm not kicking anybody out, but I can see down the line, I will be working probably, you know, in a typical, let's say full-time mindset, probably 80 to 90% on journeyman. You know, I, I happen to love speaking and doing workshops and writing. And so I can see that part building and growing um, as it goes. I also have already a few guys who have said, I'd love to train so I can run some of these groups. And so I, I can see, imagine having people, um, you know, we're bringing some coaches on to um, run the foundations program so I can offer some of the more advanced stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sort of building this plane while I fly it. I'm I'm curious about uh, you know when you talk about three to five guys that come in that you have to turn away, um, and I'm curious about your perspective on and you you talked about this also when you said guys come in <clears throat> their um, therapy clients and then they leave the office and they go back into society and all the work we do gets all fucked up. <clears throat> so I'm curious I'm I'm curious about your perspective on society. So. Um, I'm sure you're you know well aware of all the data as re <clears throat> as it relates to men 
the loneliness, depression, not working, not going to college. I mean, all, all that data. And then last week, CDC comes out with, with a report about teen girls. And, and I mean, it's a devastating uh, report as well. So, you know, I, I look at all this data. I'm like, we're a mess. We, I mean, we are a mess. And there aren't enough resources, arguably, again, at least when, when, I, when I look into this, to um, serve all of us that are struggling. Um, just thoughts about the state of things. And, and, and then, and then the other question that I would ask you is, is there, is there, I'm going to pigeonhole you one thing that you would say men could work on, um, embrace, however you want to describe it, that, um, would help them to live more fully, more, more Hmm. contently. So those are, those are my two questions. Take them in whatever order you want. Um, I, I mean, both, both, both are easy, you know, you know slow yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, state of the world, state of the union, you know, like we're a mess. I mean, I, I, I think there is that, but at the same time, that to go back to kind of what we were talking at the very beginning, that while, while true is also a dominant story. There's a lot of beauty going on and there's a lot of really wonderful things happening um, that are challenging to find, right? Because we're, 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 you know, there's an, uh, an onslaught of, of, you know, negativity and, and, you know, basically dominating, you know, separating and, and, you know, so there is this energy out there that we could easily talk for hours about how the world's burning. Mm-hmm. Right. So there is that. But there are other stories and other experiences and other realities where beautiful things are happening every day. And I really I, I, I look to connect with that in a way that is, you know, I, I'm, I'm a chef. That's one of the things I love doing. And, and you know, if we all have to eat, I'm going to enjoy it. Right. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to find a way to even, even amidst the world burning, I'm going to like taste and savor, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's really important because the more we do that, the more we, we sort of, you know, we, we live what we, what we choose. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think, you know, <laughs> I'll share that another time, but, but, but so, yes, I, I think we have the ability to really yeah. um, through the stories we we enact and through the things we choose, we have the ability to, in a real way, not a like rose colored glasses mm-hmm. or a Pollyanna-ish way, mm-hmm. in a very real way, change the world. I talk about connected fatherhood is social activism. You know, even if it is just, just at home, mm-hmm. right? I have two boys. Our job is to raise good men, good humans. And so, you know, my sons who are both very involved with journeyman, they know everything that goes out. They know everything that I post. And my, my older son who's 14 asked me once, he's like, so why are you so into this? Why do you do this? And I, you know, one of the things I told him, I said, my father, who is amazing, he's a wonderful father. He's very kind. He's a social worker, right? He, I, I have never once ever questioned that he didn't love me or that he loved me dearly, but he doesn't say, I love you very, very easily to me. And I said that to my son. He said, well, you say I love you. And I said, yeah, that's what we're doing, mm-hmm. right? That's what we're doing here. And so um, I think that, you know, <laughs> I mentioned food and cooking. I also am pretty 
adamant. I, I teach a lot of traditional nourishing food practices. I've taught fermentation and bone broth. And I think the metaphor is, is very, you know, gathering for food, again, back to the inn and all of that. I think it's really powerful. But I also think if you learn how to ferment and make things with fermentation and, and that, that is social activism in the same way as like hugging your kid and telling them that you mm. love them is social mm. activism. And so, you know, I think that we can make changes in this way and, you know, enough of us who are doing work like this and thinking like this is that's how we can get some seed change going and we can make things happen. And so yeah. I think that's answers your first question. Yeah. Um, and the, the second one, remind me, cause I got so into. So the is there, is there one thing that, oh, yeah. um, yeah, that a man, can do to live life mm. more fully? I think, I, I think it's, you know, in many ways, and I, as you can probably tell, I like to talk, but I will say very simply, it's chop wood, carry water. Mm. You know, I, I think in mm. order to have more meaningful values-based life is to know that, you know, in your everyday life you can find meaning you can find value and you can actually express your big like you know uh amazing core values that are often so vague and hard to define you can actually express them in cleaning the toilet once a week or in doing your dishes or you know that and i think that element and the reason why i call this you know foundational adventures is once you've got that then you can stand a little taller. You might be actually more prepared and ready for a hero's journey. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so the idea about really what, what we do every day, you know, like it has to be small, you know, dads who say, I want to kick with kids. So I'm going to take the week off and go on a fishing trip. No, you know, I, I share with, I have a document that I've shared with a lot of my guys, um, the 10 fastest ways to connect with your kids. And you know, I did all of them one day with a stopwatch and all 10 of them took less than 15 minutes, mm -hmm. you know, and, mm -hmm. and they are all about, we're looking at long-term connections rather than like, we're going to fix something. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, those, two great questions and two like really beautiful answers. Um, and, and therefore I feel guilty to bring it back down <laughs> to, the, to the mundane. <laughs> Are you going we'll with stats? Are you want? Are you going to talk about stats, I'm not data, going with stats or something Sean. like that? All right, come on. Uh, <laughs> I would never do that. Of course, I would do that. Um, but it, but uh, you know, it comes back to we just interviewed the guy who created this this campaign called Man Therapy. I don't know if you've seen it, Jason. Um, oh yeah, um, can't you can't fix feelings with duct tape. That's yeah, right. exactly. That's right. Yes, exactly. You know uh, which I, I love. And, and we've we talk a lot about sort of like the supply and demand of mental health care, um, there being a mismatch there. We talk about sort of the different itches that get scratched by therapy versus connection and peer support, those kind of things. Um, another thing that comes to mind when we talk about um, an, uh, an undersupply of, of help is sort of the delivery of therapy in person versus virtual. And so I would love to get your, your, your take on how much of, of either of those do you do? And do you have a strong opinion about, you know, oh, virtual therapy can never replace in-person, et cetera? Well, I would hope to say, just as a, as a context, I would never say always or never. 
Um, <laughs> so no, it will never replace anything and, and, and you know, all of that. Uh, but just to put it in context, I am right now in my basement office. Um, throughout the pandemics, we gave up our in-person offices because we were spending too much money and hadn't walked in them for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and in the coaching, it's almost all virtual right now because people are all over the country. And so does that mean it's better or worse? I think it's different. And, and, and it allows me, you know, because let's okay. So contextually therapy, I can only offer in Vermont. I'm only licensed in Vermont. So we can speak that way by doing virtual work. I can serve anyone in Vermont or the entire state. So people from, a, from you know, down in Bennington who mm-hmm. hear about the work I do, they can be like, dude, we really need you. Right. Mm-hmm. So I can do that. Um, there are definitely you know, difficulties, you know, not being in the same room. There's certainly some, some negatives around that. There's some cons around that. Um, I will say, and I don't know, I, 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 this is a generalization and I don't know if this is true, but it's been my experience. I work with, you know, the vast majority of my clients in the therapy world are men. There's an interesting thing that I found is this ox that we're in is simultaneously less intimate and more intimate right there's this boundary so guys are kind of like okay and they can maybe like be looking at something in another screen and you know so there's this less of an intimate but i also can tell you that probably three or four out of five of my therapy clients have picked up the um the camera and wanted to like show me a project or show me like this thing or mm. they're like i have grown men who are playing show and tell with me and i get to be in their house mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I am thinking, you know, I, I, I misspoke. I have two or three clients I started with right at the beginning of the pandemic. So I've never met therapy clients. I've never met in person. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we've done some incredibly deep and powerful work that I don't know would have been radically different if we were in person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, yeah, I mean, Chris knows how I feel about it. I mean, since we started doing this and men living, I've met hundreds of men around the world um for relationships and 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 for me you know they'll be like well we've never met in person I'm like I, I don't know I feel like we've met in person dozens of times so I you know I yeah. I get it on the one hand I get it uh but but to your point it's it's different but I still think it can be incredibly enriching and I'm sure that in the work that you do you're also serving your patients if it's you know if it's in your formal work as a therapist in in still a great in a great way utilizing the technology and that's that's actually really fun is that in the technology you know people you know, people you know about like different learning styles or learning modalities i always have the chat box up so now there are times when with men we're you know one on one with a guy and we're talking and typing at the same time so we're using multiple sides of your yeah. brain yeah. you know if someone mentioned something i can look something up real quick and throw it on the screen like there are some really beautiful things that you can use um so so yeah it, it's a little bit of both um I certainly miss very dearly, you know, I, I my master's is in adventure therapy. And right. so I certainly miss <laughs> taking clients and going for a walk, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, that'll happen. And we'll, we'll, at some point we, we may go back at least partially, you know, maybe, maybe the one to one and a half days I do with my therapy world is, is going to be in person. And then, you know, I have different ways of journeyman working, but to, to your original point, Chris, 
it also opens up accessibility in a way right. that yeah. is, you yeah. know, we still don't have enough out there for people. Right. We right. still don't have right. enough support. And so anything that helps that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of for, I think yeah. it's, it's useful. Yeah. I, I, uh, Joe Connor had said the other day to us, uh, Sean, when I asked him a similar question about, is it more effective for a patient to sit on their therapist's couch? He said, some patients uh, like to do therapy from their own couch. You know, right. Right. Yeah. So there's, there, yeah. there is a, it, it, and to each, you know, it's a, it's a classic yes. And question, right. Um, Absolutely. One quick thing, because I am a word dork and, you know, because I'm a na- part of narrative therapy is about using language and tell stories and everyone can do what they want, but I just, I never call the people I work with patients. Okay. Um, yeah. I am pretty, pretty adamant that they don't call me doctor. Um, yeah. I don't, in many ways, I think the psychological field, the mental health field, doesn't really belong in the health medical world. Mm. And mm. there's some inherent flaws in it. Now, I don't know. Well, I have some thoughts, but, you know, like it, where else or how else it could be. But the reality is, is just, you know, it's something, you know, I, I part of my training and the way it works and the way I see the world is, you know, when people come to me for therapy, it's not because you know, like similar to a broken arm or, or cancer, right? right. This isn't, right. you know, inherently the medical model places the problem within the person. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, a, a fundamental flaw in placing mental health in the medical world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, because I feel like we've had some people who also, um, for example, Alexa James at NAMI Chicago, I think would probably argue that um, in, in order to, you um, in order for mental health care to elevate for us to elevate the status of mental health care to the rest of health care, we, we can't, it, it's dangerous to distinguish it that way. Right. It, it's it, so, so th- there are reasons I think for talking about it um, in, in, you know, in both senses, but I, so, so, so Jason, so, uh, so I know because uh, I'm also a word person and I'm a huge rule follower um, is, is the, is the notion of not calling, um, what do we call them? Analysands? No, I'm just kidding. Sean, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> but, but, but what Jason knows what you're talking about. I know obviously. he does. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. What, 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 what's a, what's a better term if I were to talk about the people that you meet with? To I, I, it's funny because of being really into words, I've played with this for years. I, I tend to land on client. Just because yeah. I think it is, you know, the the most accessible thing. Oftentimes, either they or or you know the the individual or the insurance company or whatever is paying me for a service, so they are a client. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's you know, but but like for example, my I have contractors upstairs who are helping me with a, a, a building project that we're doing in the house. I'm their client. Doesn't doesn't mean I'm less than or broken or because I don't know how to build. Yeah. Right. And so there is a uh, there is almost a non hierarchical status in the word client that I, I really like. I have some expertise. Yeah. And that, you know, and, yep. you know, what, what I tell clients in therapy when I because I, I, I actually speak to this early on in, in the work, you know, usually first session that I have with a new client is I sort of say, like, I talk a little bit about the medical model and I talk about the uses, kind of like you're saying, Chris, is that there are some good reasons to be in the medical world. But I also talk about the flaws and, and some of the limitations. And I sort of say, listen, if I break my arm, 
I want to go to a physician. I want the, the physician to know more about my bones than I do so that they tell me what to do. I do it and I get better most of the time. You know, that, that, that's kind of the model and it's wonderful mm-hmm. when it works. But inherently, I'm not going to know more. I cannot ever know more about you than you. Mm-hmm. And so when, you know, I say I've worked with whatever, a thousand men who come in who want to deal with anger and I've met 5,000 different types of anger. And so I say, you be the expert on you. I will be the expert on stories and patterns and, and, you know, what's out there. And together we walk the path and we figure out kind of what might be healing for you. Mm-hmm. And I, I know a lot about that. I've got a lot of experience and there are things that I will certainly know more than you about, but it'll never be you. It'll never be your thoughts and feelings. That's great. Chris, I think you're, you're, you're muted for some yeah, reason, Chris. We can't hear you, Chris. Oh, I was just saying that I appreciate yeah. the way you, you frame that. Um, yeah. So thank you for that. I feel like I see I'm getting a little bit smarter each time we do one of these calls. Yes, right? I know. It's a Same. little bit. Yeah. As <laughs> um, we say, it's part of our objective, isn't it? It is part of our objective. <laughs> right? yeah. Everyone yeah. has something to teach yeah. us. Uh, right. Well, this hour has flown by and and Jason, yeah. I feel like you've listened to a podcast episode or, or two before. So, you know, we have three questions we got to ask you at the end, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do it. And I also suspect we may end up talking again. I've really enjoyed yeah. um, hearing the way you think about all this stuff. Um, and I love the work that you're doing. Um, and so we'll, we'll, we'll reserve the right to, 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 to enlist you again. But here are the three questions you probably- We haven't even brought them. up the trickster yet. Brought up the what? We haven't even talked about the trickster. The trickster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the uh, it, it's an archetype that I use in a lot of my work that moves us away from the hero's journey and the king and the warrior and the, the whatever. But anyway, I interrupted you. Sorry. No, that's okay. okay. That's okay. Yeah. The the, arch, the archetypes get thrown around a lot around men living, and I've I've I, I, I like if you would have asked me to name the four major archetypes, I probably couldn't have done that anyway. So, um, uh, you know. Not, I, <laughs> we're not archetype guys yeah yeah Sean is, that, are, is that accurate yeah 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 like we're not only are we not archetype guys we have uh, trouble keeping a single framework uh in our heads at once anyway so <laughs> that's um, that's for another that's for another day that's for, for another sure. time so Absolutely. we got several yeah. placeholders yeah. Jason, several yeah. placeholders <laughs> to come back to um okay here Wonderful. we go question question number one what do you wish jason you could have told your 10 year old self wow Oh, wow. Give me a minute and uh, place back to 10. Um, Simply, I would have said, hold on, you'll find your people. Mm. I was, uh, I spent a lot of time playing by myself at about 10. And um, happily so in some ways and very unhappily so in others. And I would have said, um, you know, there there are people out there for you. Mm. I love that. I've mm-hmm. got a I've got a daughter who's who's a senior in high school and one who's an eighth grader, and they're figuring out where they're going to go on next, and they're thinking about where their people are. And, and you know, and I would probably argue that your people are just like bad drivers and cowboys. You you can find them anywhere you go, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So. Um, question number two, do you have a mantra in life or even a mantra these days? Mm. Well, I mean, low hanging fruit is chop wood, carry water for sure. 
Good that, one. That, that's mm-hmm. absolutely one for me. Um, but I think really it, it is, um, you know, write your own story, you know, create your own adventure. Mm. That's something I say, I find myself saying a lot. I love that. Before you go to question three, bad drivers and cowboys. I've never heard that before. That, 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 but I like it. That's a Lozier original, dude. It, wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that might be my next wait, social media post, it, yeah i was just gonna say how does it go <laughs> i mean you, you know, know what they say about bad drivers and cowboys well, they're like, everywhere <laughs> no like it's you can you compare pretty much anything to bad drivers and cowboys you can find them anywhere you go um that sounds like a song chris i but i don't oh want to gosh. offend all the cowboys the cowboys are the last people i want to offend right, right. i don't want to upset them True. Um, but it's it, it doesn't paint them in a in a derogatory light, so I feel I feel comfortable with you guys using that. Um, call them out that way. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I know. I know. There's a royalty fee, so just be aware of that much. Um, last Fair. question, Jason. What do you hope that people will say about you at your wake? Oh goodness. <laughs> we wish he'd catered this. <laughs> I, I mean you know i i i mean joking aside i i think the 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 theme of that is you know i i, I wish people i hope people say that you know what i'm remembered for is the gatherings that i that that i'm a part of with people you know like to me it's much more powerful to sit and have dinner with someone um than almost anything else or not necessarily dinner but a meal um and because i get a little obsessive and and kooky about cooking and doing things like that i yeah i my 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 real core is around service and gathering and so yeah i'd hope that they would mention that since you're a cooking guy what would you what kind of food would you want to be served at your wake oh wow um well because in my community, we have a lot of people with very different dietary needs and restrictions for health and belief and whatever. Um, and I imagine in some ways that's only going to get worse unless our food systems change, which is a whole other conversation. Um, I don't know what I'd want to serve, but a big thing for me is, is that um, no one feels deprived. So like we do a big Thanksgiving every day, every year. And one of my friends who's vegetarian would say, oh, don't make anything special. I'll just eat all the sides. And I refuse to. Like, there will always be a centerpiece that is as beautiful as the turkey for so that everyone, no one feels deprived. So um, what would I serve? It would probably be some sort of family style um, buffet, not buffet, but like lots of platters and people make their own plates and it would be whatever it would be either like, you know, tapas or metze or, but like lots of different things with lots of different ferments and sauces and different breads or grain-free breads or whatnot that people can make their own plates and, and just, they have to pass things. <laughs> Very cool. I, I'm going to, I'm going to recommend uh unsolicited recommendation to extend your mantra to chop wood, carry water, break bread. Oh, I love it. Very nice. Love it. Yes. Nice. Oh, yeah. Do you know the, uh, the, the etymology of, as a word guy, you know, the etymology of companion? No. It's one who you break bread with. Oh, ah. yeah. 
I love it. So I love. I will add that. That's a great one. I appreciate. It. That's awesome. Um, well, this it's been a pleasure hanging. It's been a pleasure hanging with you, dorks. Really, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Says the California boy. Sounds in California right now. So it's a lot for him. Well, Jason, it's it took us a long time to get together, um, but it was so worth it. Mm-hmm. We appreciate. Oh, you. thank you all yeah. so much. Yeah. I really like. You know, I've been watching your stuff for a long time, and and you know, I think when you, someone starts doing podcasts, there's always a couple on my head that I'm like, ooh, I hope to get to this one. I hope they ask me or whatever. And and you all are on the list as well. So I, I'm I'm really grateful. Well, we'll definitely stay in touch, too. Yeah, we really enjoyed it. This is Chris. Thanks again for joining us on this episode of If You've Come This Far. And this is Sean. Remember to check us out at menliving.org. <laughs>